Welcome to another spectacular word from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Are you ready for the word this morning? Huh? Let's open up our hearts and open up our Bibles this morning. We're going to be going to Luke chapter 2 today, and uh, my message is entitled, The Afterlife. Wow, that almost sounds a little morbid, doesn't it? But it's not the afterlife, it's the afterlife, okay? And uh, we'll, we'll get to what that means in just a moment. But first, we're going to be reading from what would be considered the traditional Christmas story from Luke chapter 2. We're going to pick up in this story at verse 8. And um, just open up your hearts and listen to uh, uh, as, as we read along. And uh, we'll, we'll um, uh, skip a verse here or there and conclude in about verse 24 or so. In verse 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold... An angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ, the Anointed One. You know, in, in, in their terminology, the Messiah the anointed one, Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. Verse 15, So it was, when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Verse 20. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told them. And when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus. The name given him by the angel or the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Verse 22. Now when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves, or two young pigeons. Now, today is Sunday, the 26th of December. This is the day after Christmas. You know, this is that interesting moment, you know, when, when uh, Christmas has come and New Year's is not here and it's kind of this nebulous existence. It's, it's, it's what Pastor Ken preached about on Wednesday night. We are in liminal space, okay? We are in that space that is already but not yet. You know, we are in that waiting moment. We're kind of just waiting for a new year. We're kind of past a moment and waiting, uh, you know, for, um, for something that in God's mind already is, but in our minds we don't yet see. 
Sunday the 26th, the day after Christmas, the day after celebrating such an exciting event. You know, Christmas is the quintessential holiday of the year. Everybody looks toward Christmas. Christmas is like the epitome of, 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 of you know, holidays and festive days and giving of presents and, you know, joy and all of the wonderful things of the year. Uh, and, and, you know, Christ is what all of creation had been waiting for since the Garden of Eden, Christmas. You know, Christmas changed everything think about it since the garden of eden god promised a savior god promised christ he promised messiah and then all of a sudden that day that first christmas in the town of bethlehem boom it happened and and christmas literally changed everything christmas is the day that we choose to celebrate the birth of jesus you know, uh, Jesus was not born literally on the 25th of December. I don't want to pop anyone's bubble, but that's most likely, you know, uh, during the time of the Festival of Lights, this is the season when Jesus was conceived. He was born uh, near the Feast of Tabernacles in Rosh Hashanah in a September-October time. But this is the day that we have set aside to celebrate his birth. Why? Because this is the day that life began. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, uh, that's what the Bible teaches. Now, it's, it's not always easy uh, to remember that Jesus was born during the Old Testament period. This Christmas story kind of reminds us about that. Because we, as a church in a New Testament period, we're, we're living in a New Testament time. We are living in the dispensation of the church and of the grace and of the glory of God in a world that Jesus was not born into. He was born into an Old Testament uh, period, into the time whenever the law of Moses was the law of the land and the traditions of the elders uh, had to be kept and it, 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 it was a very very different time that Jesus was born into Jesus was born subject to the laws of Moses subject to the traditions of the elders and it was a time when animal sacrifices for sin were still required by God isn't that interesting I mean we read about his birth in the New Testament but yet he was born in an Old Testament period in a period whenever we just read that sacrifices were required. A time whenever the blood of bulls and goats was what God accepted for sin. They were still required. And the temple of God in Jerusalem was still the one and only holy place in all the world. Isn't that amazing? And it's amazing to me that Jesus came to change things. Jesus came to change things. In, 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 indeed, Christmas changed everything. That first Christmas changed everything. Why? Because Jesus came to change things. The world into which he was born, they did not understand him. They did not know it was Christ. Even though the angels announced him, and even though the shepherds went out and told him, and even though many things happened in, in, in years to come, yet the world did not understand him. The Bible tells us they did not know him. 
They did not understand him. And, 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 and the world into which he was born, they were, they were even unaware that things were changing. They were unaware that anything in their world was even up for change. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine being in a world and being so surrounded by your present circumstances or by your past experiences or by the current situations of life that you imagine nothing can change? Nothing's ever going to change. That's how many people felt back then, and that's how many people feel today. That, that, that we're stuck in a world that is just ongoing, and the world is swirling around us, and the way it always has been, the way we have always known it, our experiences, you know, uh, uh, the, the, the things that we have observed is all there is and all there will ever be, and nothing is changing. And yet Christ came to change everything. Only the world was unaware. The world didn't know. In fact, many in the world didn't even want things to change. They were comfortable. And life for them was convenient. Life for them was predictable. You know, it has been said that the hell that you know is better than the hell that you don't know. <laughs> you know? And many people are concerned that if anything changes in their life, then they will lose you know, connection with life. They will lose reality. If their experiences have been wrong, if there's something greater out here, then, then I've missed you know, so much. And so many people aren't even wanting to change. They're not even in, 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 in conscious connection with the need to change. And yet God saw such a need that he gave his only begotten son to change everything. Jesus came to change things. You know, the people did not realize that Jesus was the fulfillment of everything that they had ever rehearsed, everything that they had ever celebrated, every festival, that Jesus would be the fulfillment of everything they had ever declared, you know, the, the good things that they had heard about God and, and the things that, that were so much greater than their current experiences, that Jesus was going to be the fulfillment of all of the wonderful promises of God. They just imagined that what they had observed and what they had experienced was all they were ever going to have. But Jesus came to change everything. Only the people were unaware. And many were without hope. Without hope that anything substantive could ever change. Yet, as I said, I'll keep repeating it, Christmas changed everything. Okay? This morning when I used the word Christmas... In just a little while, we will be interchanging it with salvation because that's what came to the earth, was salvation. It's what was prophesied by the prophets that there will come a day, Joel said, when all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That began at Christmas. The Bible teaches, by the way, that life begins at conception. And that God knows us before we are born. The Bible clearly teaches that over and over. That life begins at conception. It's one of the great joys I have in celebrating Christmas in this particular season. Is knowing that the angel of the Lord sent to the town of Nazareth to a young girl in this particular season, to speak to her about life beginning. 
As I said, the Bible teaches that life begins at conception and that once it begins, life never ends. That's a picture of salvation as well. If we can overlay these particular scriptures with our life, if we can, and that's what we're supposed to do, we're supposed to lay our lives on top of scriptures and see, you know, what does it mean for us today? The Bible says that the scriptures were not written for their sake who it was written about, but rather for our sake, upon whom these times have come. So when we take the Word of God or stories in the Bible, especially these that really launch out at us, the one from Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, we take that and we put our life on top of it. We see a picture of salvation. How that our world, us, we were the world, and we were you know void and without form, and darkness covered the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved in our lives, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. That's a picture picture of salvation it's the very first picture that God gave us was what he was going to do in every empty heart in every dark life on and on and on this picture of Jesus coming you know uh, to, to, to earth is a picture of salvation happening to a world a promise of God once again peace on earth good will towards man confirming all of God's hope the Bible teaches that 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 once life begins Life begins at conception, and once it begins, it never ends. That's a picture of our salvation. That once Christ comes into our life, once we receive, once the seed of God's will is conceived in our life, a new life, a born-again experience begins. We are born again, and life never ends. Our new life, our life in Christ. What a wonderful picture. That's the nature of life. It's, it's the essence of the birth of the soul. The birth of the soul does not begin with the birth of a baby from a mother's womb. But rather the birth of a soul begins at conception. And once life begins, let me say it again, it never ends. That's the nature of life. God knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. The Bible says that he knew you and he will know you. Just as the life of the soul begins at conception, so also the eternal life, the spiritual life we receive in Christ begins at the conception. Life begins at conception and life does not depend on this world. Your life does not depend on this world. And that's what Jesus came to share with people who imagined that the world controlled them and they were dependent and, 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 and that their mortal existence was all that there was. And, and, and they, didn't, they didn't understand that Jesus came to bring them a revelation, a revelation that, that Christmas changes everything. Life never ends. This morning, we're going to survey the passage left to us by the Holy Spirit that we just read in Luke chapter 2. And I want to shed some light on what happens after Christmas. The afterlife. What happens after life? 
Whenever life comes to your life, what happens? As we overlay our today, as we overlay our lives, as we overlay uh, uh, the truth of our life on the truth of the Word and peer through it and see what draws out into our life, what happens? Why is God, why did the Holy Spirit give us a picture in Luke chapter 2? of what was going on in that day. What can we draw from that? What, what revelation was just waiting to be, to be caught? What revelation? What, what amazing God knowledge? What amazing and wonderful God wisdom is yet to be understood? That's what the world was, was, was doing on that first Christmas day. Things were changing. Jesus came to change. Christmas changed everything. And the world was yet unaware. What marvelous revelation, what wisdom of God, what provision of the Almighty was waiting to be understood, was waiting to be caught, was waiting to be seen. What revelation, what amazing. And since that day, every person that has come to know Christ has received what he did on that first day. We're going to survey these few verses that we read this morning. And what we're going to draw from these few verses together is we're going to see what we have not seen. Understand what the world does not understand. And we're going to leave here better, more in tune, with greater revelation that is designed by God and meant by God to change your life forever. So, uh, what happens the day after Jesus comes into your life? What happens after life begins? Well, you know what happens after Christmas? The same thing that happened after Jesus was born in Bethlehem. It's going to be the same thing. It's always the same thing. You know, I have this really neat job. It's the greatest gig ever. If you're looking for one, listen, uh, see if you can get God to call you to be a preacher. Because all you have to do to be successful is just read it and repeat it. Read it and repeat it. And God does something in the lives of people that hear you. When you read it and repeat it, He will do something in a person's life that hears it that gives them revelation and understanding. And all of a sudden they catch a glimpse of a truth that is greater than their observation, a truth that is bigger than their experience. And they, you know, leave smarter just because you read it and repeated it. And that's all I do. Isn't that neat? I just read it and repeat it. I've been reading the same one now for all these years. But today, I'm going to ask you to do two things, only two things. You know, I have a job today, and you have a job today. Now, to please God, I'm going to read it and repeat it. Okay? And I'm just going to tell you what I saw. I'm going to tell you what I saw how, how it impacted my life. Two things, your job. Your job is, number one, to find one thing that I say today, one thing that I am saying on behalf of God today that you can put into your life and say, okay, all right, all right, I see that. I'm, I'm going to hold on to that, okay, 
And in your spirit, something will say amen. Something will say yes, that's truth. Something, it will ring like gold. Instead of, you know, uh, you know you, you, it'll go, hmm, yeah, okay, I can see that. So, and it may be something I say, or it may be something that God speaks louder than my words into your heart. So that's number one thing. You're going to get something for yourself. And number two, you're going to get one more thing for somebody else that you can later tell them. Now, you may know who it is, or you may not yet know who it is. And perhaps this week you'll run across someone, and that one thing that you take for somebody else, you can give it away. All right? God's going to give you bread and seed this morning. That's his design. When I overlay my life on Isaiah, he gives bread to the eater and seed to the sower. So we're going to be eaters and sowers today. We're going to get one thing for ourselves and one thing for someone else. That's all. Okay? You don't have to listen to everything. You don't have to remember everything. You're just going to cherry pick today and just get two things. One for you, one for somebody else. Are you ready? Okay, then let's, let's uh, uh, allow me to describe, uh, if you will, uh, what happened, you know, the day after Jesus was born. Uh, uh, you know what happens after Christmas? You know what happened after Jesus was born? Uh, more life. What, what, what happens after life? More life. More life. Yeah, and if you will allow me, I'd like this morning to call that the afterlife. That's what happens after life, the afterlife. And maybe you've never realized that that's what this scripture reveals. Uh, as I said earlier, this passage in Luke 2, 8 through 24, uh, it, it, it tells us basically, and, and this traditional Christmas story, the Christmas account, and, it, it, and, and you know, we know Jesus was born in Bethlehem, presumably in a stable, although it could have been outside. He was you know, wrapped in swaddling cloths and laid in a manger. A manger is a feeding trough for an animal. It could have been outside for the donkeys. It could have been in a little stable cave. I mean, we don't know. We presume it was in a stable cave yeah you know and and uh but you know uh, and and then you know a little time went by i mean you know a, a little time had to go by uh with the birth and with the swaddling of the babies you know or, or excuse me the baby with, with you know it, it takes a little time to swaddle the baby and lay them in a the manger you know i mean uh, i don't know it could have been Three minutes, could have been five minutes, could have been two, three hours. We really don't know. But a little time went by, and then that night, angels appeared to shepherds in the field to announce the birth of the Messiah, Christ the Lord. Well, uh, then the angels directed the shepherds, you know, after the multitude of heavenly hosts sang, and, you know, and, and, and glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, you know. Uh, the angels directed the shepherds and said, go into Bethlehem. They were out in the fields. Some of you have been there with me out in those shepherd fields around Bethlehem. It's a fairly good little walk up to, you know, up to uh, Jerusalem and, up, excuse me, up, up to Bethlehem and into the city. You know, uh, it, it would take me 45 minutes or an hour to make that little walk. And so, you know, uh, sure, you know, a little time went by and, and, and the shepherds arrived and they saw the babe and they saw Mary and they saw Joseph and just like they had been told. 
And then, you know, uh, the Bible says the shepherds went out. I don't know how much time they spent there, but a little time. And then they went out, and the Bible says they made widely known. They told everybody uh, about what the angels had said and about what happened and what they had seen. Now, you know, in my, in my imagination, it's reasonable to assume they didn't go out that night and start waking up people, you know. Most likely it was over the next few days. They just continued to tell the story and testify what had happened to them. They glorified God. They told everybody. You know, uh, probably not that same night, but just as I said, over the next few days. And then, then the account jumps, okay? Uh, it jumps to eight days later. You know, have you noticed that? All of a sudden, boom, it's eight days later. Eight days later, Jesus is circumcised. Okay, not in Jerusalem. They're not in Jerusalem yet. They're still in Bethlehem. Eight days later, Jesus is circumcised. Now, do you think it hurt? Anybody? Sure it hurt. Of course it hurt. Do you think he cried? Yeah, I'm sure he did. You know, crying is not a sin. Hurting is not a sin. What happens after, after life? You know, life, more life. And sometimes life hurts. What happens after Christmas? Life, and sometimes life hurts. What happens after salvation? Life, and sometimes life hurts. Do you think it hurt Jesus? Yes, it, it wouldn't be the last time he hurt, by the way. I have a Savior who can feel pain. I have a, sa a, a Savior who is easily touched with my pain, who understands how I feel, who was tempted in every manner just like I am. And uh, do, do you think Jesus cried? I think he did. It hurt. <laughs> I don't know why I have to drive this home, but I think I've heard a few sermons that, you know, Jesus never cried. Oh, yeah. he didn't just cry. He cried out a few times. And at the circumcision... Eight days after he was born. We're already eight days beyond this exciting. No, we're only one day right here from Christmas, you know. You know, from our celebration of his birth. He was eight days already. And he's already, you know, kind of, you, know, uh, you know, anyway. Uh, but the law required he be circumcised on the eighth day. And so... Uh, and, and it was at that circumcision that they named him. And uh, 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 Yeshua, which means Jesus, uh, you know, Jehovah rather, is salvation, even when it hurts. Isn't that amazing? Yeshua, Jehovah is salvation. Once again, an overlay, an overlay that, that I mean, people, the world should have taken note. You know, people around him should have noticed they're naming, you know, they're naming him Jehovah is salvation. Yes. Jehovah is salvation even when it hurts. Jesus is still salvation. Then, with the very next breath in the Scripture, I mean, that, I mean that it goes from the eight days, it goes from Jesus being born, the shepherds coming, you know, and them going out and telling everybody, then eight days later, and then the very next breath, the Holy Spirit jumps forward 40 days after Christmas. In Luke 2, verse 22, Now when the days of Mary's purification according to the law of Moses were completed. That's how we know that Jesus born under the law, the law of Moses had to be honored and kept. You know, uh, they brought Jesus to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Uh, now, 
You know, it, it was still necessary to bring him to the temple to present him to the Lord uh, for several occasions because the law required it. But the reason we know it was 40 days is because the law required Mary to stay indoors for 40 days after the birth of a male son. Now, I don't know why. 80 days for a female. I don't know why. Y'all can figure that one out. Uh, send your cards and letters to P.O. Box 495. No. Uh, so that we know that she was keeping the law. She had to keep the law. She was bound by the law. And the law required her to wait 40 days. So now we're already at least 40 days into life. This story doesn't just tell what happened at Christmas. It begins to tell us about the afterlife. Under the Jewish law, as I said, it took 40 days after the birth of a male child for a woman to be purified. And uh, she couldn't leave her dwelling and, uh, un until, she, um, until that time. And then she had to present herself and the child before the Lord and offer sacrifices, animal sacrifices, the blood of animals. That's what this story tells us. Because Jesus, again, was born in this Old Testament period in keeping the law. And in this same tradition of the elders and the law of Moses, um, every firstborn male had to be dedicated to the Lord as a continuing priest over their household and family for the next generation. Every generation needed priests in their homes. You, you can read about this in the Old Testament. And these priests, it was Jesus' responsibility at the dedication then uh, to keep the family covenant with God, to keep it active and to keep it uh, vibrant. And he was also going to be responsible for teaching his family in this next generation. You've read about it. This is the generation of Jesus Christ. Jesus is still responsible for teaching his family how to connect with God and keeping the covenant with God for his family's sake. He's still our priest. Uh, over our house and it, you know all of this is is, is, is so overlaid uh, guiding the family to worship and to honor and to serve Jehovah this is what happened in the life of Jesus after Christmas if we continue to follow the Christmas story we also find that later there were wise men that came from the east you know that didn't all happen that one night by the way because it had to happen at least 40 days after because, you know, it's, it's there in that scenario. But some people believe months, perhaps even up to two years it could have been. There's reason to imagine it was a year or two before the wise men got there. And delivered gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And then after they left, because Herod was seeking the life of the child... We know that an angel appeared to Joseph, and Joseph led his family. Then Jesus, as a young boy, was taken down into Egypt along with Mary. It was a long walk, and, and they stayed in Egypt in self-imposed exile uh, for perhaps a year or two years. Then they moved back to Bethlehem. And they stayed in Bethlehem for a while, but, but Joseph and Mary were concerned that people still wanted to, to, to uh, you know, um, destroyed, killed Jesus. 
And so they moved up to Galilee and kind of immersed themselves into a different culture and custom and tradition. And Joseph became a carpenter there in that city. And Jesus grew up going to school. We catch a glimpse of him at 12 years old in Jerusalem on an annual pilgrimage to a festival with his family. And, and then he, he, he was raised in Nazareth and learned how to read and write there and, and, and learned a trade, how to work with his hands. And, and the whole community, by the time he was 30 years old, suspected him. They knew him as a carpenter as a construction worker what happened after Christmas just in these few verses life happened life continues I mean it, it's it's wonderful it's exciting to go to Disney World but you can't live at Disney World Christmas is exciting but you know there is an afterlife Salvation is so exciting, but guess what? There is an after salvation that we have a picture of in the Word of God. And when I overlay my life and your life and our times over this, I can clearly see that God is trying to get me to see what happens after I have had a born-again experience with Jesus Christ. Do you know what happens after I got saved? You know what happened to me? Life. Sometimes it hurt. Sometimes I cried. Sometimes I had to move. Sometimes people didn't like me. At one point I was a hero. At the next point I was a zero. It happens. But Christmas came to change everything. Why did Jesus have life after Christmas? You know, it was all about others. Jesus could have been born of a virgin in the town of Bethlehem, and he could have been killed by Herod's army that night he would have been a perfect sinless sacrifice and paid for the sins of all mankind at that moment he would have been just as much the only begotten son of God just as much a perfect sacrifice for my sin as he was 33 and a half years later so why did he go through all of life it was all about others Jesus could have given his life that night but no one would have known it do you know life and destiny happens one day at a time it happens one event at a time you know what happens after Christmas life happens even if your name is Jesus life happens sometimes your family agrees with you and sometimes they don't that's life happened to jesus and when i overlay my life on his life i realized that that you know 
He, he suffered. He, he, he went through things. Everything that I am tempted with, everything I suffered, he also was tempted with. And he learned obedience, the Bible says, through the things he suffered, the things he went through. You know, he was not impervious to the pain of betrayal. He was not impervious to, to, the, to the pain of being beaten and being spit on and hurt. And, uh, and uh, you know, he understands us. But he lived life. He didn't just only come to get me out of an eternity in hell. He came to help me through the hell of this life. Why? Why does he want me here for the time that he allows me to be here? Because my life began at conception and my life will never end. My life was not dependent upon this world or spending one second in it. It's because of others. Christmas is wonderful. The day when you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior into your heart, into your life, the day that you are born again, the day that you are saved by the Holy Spirit is a wonderful and exciting day. But then life begins, and you're stuck in life right now. As I said, Christmas is exciting, but it leads to life, which often is not so exciting. However, it's still necessary for us, just like it was for Jesus. God has chosen a time for us beyond that moment of life. Beyond that birth of our soul, why did Jesus endure such contradiction, as the Bible says? So you could have a Christmas. That's the reason why we were also chosen to endure such contradiction. Of things that already are, but as Pastor Ken said, are not yet. Oh, God sees it so differently than we do. Just like on that day in Bethlehem, God saw it so much different than anyone else there. God saw the lives of people who would accept Christmas in their life to be born again. There was a time when Jesus was God's only promise of Emmanuel. And today, you are the promise of Emmanuel. There once was a time when Jesus was the only God with us that we could understand or see or touch. Well, today, God lives inside of you. You are God's promise to a world that's lost and hurting. Just like Jesus was the light of the world, you are the light of the world today because of Christ in you. It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's what Colossians 1.27 says. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's God's hope. You know, Jesus was the hope of God on that day in Bethlehem. Jesus was God's hope to be with people in a life-changing way. To show them something they had never seen, never imagined. That their experiences could not teach them. That their observations would not show them 
revelation which comes from light being shined on darkness. It happened when the world began. It happened in my life when someone told me about Jesus. It will happen in someone's life this week when you become the light they need in their life. You are God's hope of glory. This is the day after Christmas. And it should remind us that we have a lot of life to live for Christ. The best life is the afterlife. You know, life after the birth of Christ in our hearts. And I close by telling you this. Real life begins the day after Christmas. Hey, thanks again for joining us for another powerful message from Pastor Ron Hemmons. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.